Curious Conversations About Sex is brought to you by Curious Creatures, who run a variety of workshops on self-development and sexuality in Australia. My name is Rog. Today, I'm being interviewed by Steve from the Choose Love podcast. Since he was interviewing me, some of it's about me and how I came to be doing what I do. Then from there, we launch into what's going on for most people in the world of sex, how sex education is meeting our needs, or just like totally failing them, and what I've learned along the way. Uh, I found it to be a really enjoyable chat, and I hope you do too. Welcome to the Choose Love Podcast. My name is Steve Hayton and I will be your host. Today we're speaking to Roger Butler from Curious Creatures. Roger provides coaching around sex and relationships in Melbourne, Australia. They believe in a world where personal empowerment, sexual freedom, diversity of expression and spectacularly good communication skills are the norm. So let's get into it. Uh, hey Steve, uh, my name's Rog. Uh, I'm in Melbourne, Australia. Uh, I've been here all my life. And um, as it's relevant to what we're chatting about, I guess the, the main thing I do these days falls under the banner of sex education or relationship education and self-development also. But that's, uh, that's kind of the umbrella cluster of things. And within that, uh, the main area that I focus on is workshops. Um, so I, I'm, I think I'm running, I mean, COVID's put a little bit of a dent in things, but I'm running about 15 or 20 different workshops and sometimes as many as 40. And uh, I'm, I'm pretty prolific. Uh, so I've taught well over, last I checked, well over 10,000 people, run well over, uh, well over a thousand workshops. So I think that I or the business, Curious Creatures, is the, the biggest in the field, uh, like by quite a, quite a margin. Um, yes, that's the main thing. Also do some sexuality or intimacy events. Um, I run a podcast myself called Curious Conversations About Sex. Uh, and I also produce these neat little uh, consent cards. Uh, yeah, I also do counselling in the field. Okay, nice. So just give me a kind of a, a gist, like these workshops, like what kind of, what kind of workshops are we talking about here? Um, a range of things. Um, most of them are something to do with the field of sexuality, and I guess they range from relatively, um, relatively safe, relatively accessible. I don't want to say introduction level, but relatively accessible starting points for most people. Um, so I've got one there, which is called Fun Little Sex Games. Uh, if I was being honest, I'd probably call it therapeutic little sex games, except not many people would, you know, be so interested in that. Um, but it's very much the same thing. And there's another version of that, which is more placed um, in the realm of kink or BDSM. So giving people an appropriate, safe, measured um, spot to explore their interests and fetishes and kinks and taboos. Uh, and then from there, yeah, there's just a whole bunch of workshops that span out. Uh, so some specialist ones like spanking, some more general ones like handling conflict in relationships. Uh, yeah. Wow. Okay. You're a busy man. 
Uh, busy person, yes. Of course, yes. <laughs> so so um, um, I, I, I like having a bit of a sense of humour around my gender identity. I really don't care what you call me. But yeah, I'm non-binary uh, when I'm referring to myself. So yeah. <laughs> so, so yes, I'm busy. <laughs> of course, of course. So, so tell me a little bit about, you know, how did you get into this field? How did you start doing these workshops and this counselling? It's uh, it's one of those things that mostly just a process of following things that were exciting and enthralling and that felt like they needed to be done at the time. And then every now and again, you look back on life and you go, wow, actually, that's a pretty straight line to get from where I was to here. But most of the time, it's just a process of it's been very much a case of following my nose. So the transition into sexuality workshops and the sexuality sector was that myself and a friend uh, who were uh, learning and experimenting with kink and had uh, amassed uh, a good amount of knowledge, we just for the fun of it ran our first workshop together uh, to share some of that information. And we just found that we liked it. So we ran it again and again. And then I built that into a business. And over the years, I've gotten much more strategic with it and much more deliberate. And I'm, um, I mean, that's getting up to 10 years now uh, since that first workshop. And I'm starting to think in terms of, right, how do I fiddle with this and engineer it to actually start um, impacting uh, substantially across the entire world uh, and remove so many of the problems that, um, um exist um so getting a little more strategic as time goes by um but yeah at the same time it's still a process of following my nose and doing what seems fun and what seems needed i get that it's so important to, to kind of live in the moment um and and follow what feels right to you so i mean I, I think I think also it's so much more sustainable that way because um, I mean all sectors are complicated and messy and bring their share of challenges but the sexuality sector and relationships and self-development that's a really messy sector and I think if one was just doing it because it seemed like a strategically good sector to move into but, but one's heart wasn't in it I don't think that would provide enough inertia and momentum and love and passion to actually get through uh, all of those tricky spots. So I'm a huge fan um, of if you're in a position to, yeah, follow your passion, follow that thing that you um, are so joyous about that you do it on your weekends for free and then let that turn into a business. You're speaking my language now, totally speaking my language now. And I suppose, I guess you, would you agree that, you know, when you're passionate about something, it just, it, it gives you a, so much more power to actually affect change and really be impactful in the lives of others, right? Yeah, I, th I would very much agree. Uh, I almost feel I'd go further to say sometimes, I'll speak for myself, I know when I've pushed myself towards something that I thought I would like doing um, but really wasn't my passion, it almost comes across as a mixed signal or as an incongruency. And the part of me is saying, here, buy this product or service or do this thing, it's amazing. Another part of me is going, oh, my, my heart's not in this, I don't really believe in it, I don't really expect you to. But um, yeah, with, um, with sexuality stuff, I'm <laughs> it, um, I find it very easy to get very passionate about it. So it's very easy to get motivated. <clears throat> I wonder actually if is. You know, is there a kind of a connection here you know, between the world of sexuality and, and just kind of what we're saying about how, you know, being passionate about what you're doing, you know, I feel like yes. you know, situations where, you know, maybe you feel pressured to do something that you're not quite comfortable with. Do you get where I'm going? I, I'm kind of thinking as I go along here. 
I think I do, and I think I love the point you're making. Uh, I would say I've got this idea. It's not true 100% of the time, but it's true at least 99% of the time that your body knows what it wants. If you take the time to actually just tune into your body and ask if it's into something, um, it is trying to tell you. It is trying to scream really loudly. I want to do this. I want to do this more, or I do not want this. I'm not into this. That's why I'm giving you a headache or a stomach ache, or I'm being so tired. Um, so, yeah, I do really agree with that, and I think um, it's a great lesson to learn in the realm of sexuality, which is to see if you can shut your brain up for a little while and just tune into your body a little bit and let it guide you. Um, and from playing with that in the realm of sexuality eventually you get like this is not you know this doesn't happen overnight but people get a really um strong and profound and really quick and really correct uh sense of what they want and what they don't want and once you've experienced it and haha <laughs> bedded it down with sexuality you can then transfer that skill to everywhere else like what jobs you choose buying or not buying a new car um kids yeah, it's a transferable skill and, and the, the, the channel of sexuality is a really powerful channel to learn it in. So yeah, massively agree with what you just said. <laughs> it's like kind of learning to be authentic with yourself and kind of how you're feeling. I guess my, my big question, you mentioned about being able to just kind of shut your brain down for a minute and listen to your body. How do I do that? Do you have any <laughs> techniques for how to just shut, tell your brain to shut the hell up? How do I do that? I think you need a commitment within yourself to doing that. You need a space within, if, if you're doing some kind of touch or sexual exchange with another person, you need permission and safety within that relationship or that exchange to do that. So I think there's a lot of stuff on the internet around, you know, number one sex move, which is like, oh, you know, fiddle a nipple like this or play with a genital like that or whatever. Um, I think, you know, some stuff works for some people some of the time, and that's about as, as much of a promise as you can make for any uh, touch-based specific thing. But the one thing that does work for all people all the time is communication. Uh, even if they think that sexuality should just unfold naturally and the perfect partner should just know how to touch you, that's mostly bullshit. Um, that works for a few months at the start of some relationships, but yeah, mostly that doesn't serve anyone. So instead of that, creating a space where you can talk really honestly uh, with a partner and where you can make requests and in fact, build that in, not just so that you can make requests, start making games with each other where the nature of the play is that you have to make requests um, and normalize the process of communicating. And magically, once you do that, and ideally once you've got safe words in place, which is definitely not just for people interested in kink, then you find yourself lying down and receiving touch from a partner and you're comfortable, you're safe, they're doing what you've asked for and uh, your brain has shut off and suddenly it's just you and your body and your pleasure and your experience and it's magic and the same thing happens for the person doing the touch so if you imagine you're touching someone they've asked you to, to whatever tickle their back um, and they've given you, you some parameters around that and you can also trust that if they're not enjoying it they're going to say something about it so you've been through a couple of cycles of them saying oh actually can you like do that a little firmer or or actually i was enjoying this now i think i want a cup of tea or um when you when you can trust that you've got that mechanism in place 
then likewise, when you're the one doing the touching, giving touch, your brain shuts up and you're just completely in that moment and all of that chatter around, oh, am I doing this right? Am I any good? Are they enjoying this? Do they think I'm gross? Uh, all of that chatter just disappears and you're in the moment. And fantastic, just like that, you're a Zen Buddhist. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, I totally get that. I totally get it. That makes, um, that makes so much sense. And, and that, I think you can apply that to so many different other aspects of, of life as well. Um, and I feel like just listening to you speak, it's almost, you know, the, the, the world of sex has become so, it's almost like normalized based on what we see on the internet. We get it in our heads that it should be this way or it should be that way. And I guess there, there's a stigma against that communication or authentic communication. Um, you know, it was interesting, you know, you use the word request. Such, such an important word, the word request. You know, yes. and, and we often, I, I feel like we don't appreciate the, that we as humans apply meaning to the words that we use. And the word re request is such a great word because it's, it's so much more neutral than a command. <laughs> don't do that. Don't do this. Or, you know, hey, I would request that we do this or we try this and having that kind of different way of speaking. So I totally, I totally get it. I, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I think there's two things going on there. Um, uh, one is, you're right, we're socialized not to make requests. And more specifically, um, if we start, we're, we're going to very quickly feel like we're being demanding of a partner and we're going to defend ourselves against the accusation of being a selfish slut by making sure we never ask for anything ever. And we'd be, just be nice and polite and we receive whatever comes our way and hopefully it works out well. <laughs> um, it actually makes you a much better partner if you're able to get good with your words and if you can really like clearly guide a partner towards what you want, which is different from just saying no to what you don't want. I mean, that's crucially important, but it's not that's not an entire communication package. So yeah, if you can actually guide a partner towards your, what you want, then you're just gonna make that partner's life so much easier and happier. So yeah, totally agree about requests and you made a little comment about what we find on the internet um, very much agree and I think this is the nub of the whole problem. Most of us don't have much sex education but we're in a world where there's a lot of people with varying levels of ethical interest showing us stuff that looks like information and it's not always easy to tell if it's information. So um, the gods know I am not anti-porn but there's a difference between porn that's made to sort of look good at a quick glimpse on a small screen versus educational content and you can have can have they can be in the same spot they can totally be in the same spot but um i think one of the challenges we have at the moment is uh a lot of people unless you already know a great deal about sexuality it's very hard to pick the difference between what you're watching and subconsciously i've done this myself a lot over the years a lot of that stuff that looks and feels like information comes in and starts to exist within me as I, I start to rely on it as information. And I remember the moment as uh, in, in my early 20s of having a partner look back at me while I was doing something to them just with this look of exasperation on their face. Just to go, what are you doing? <laughs> and I tracked it back and I realised I'd learnt that from uh, porn and had assumed it to be um, uh, something that all people like and just didn't understand the context and everything else. So in the absence of sex education, we, we try and get that sex education from anywhere. Schoolyard, um, 
uh, stuff that's made for entertainment, whole bunch of articles on the internet making really, really strong claims around what you have to do. And then if you look a little further, there's another article making exactly the opposite claim, but with just as much strength. And good luck navigating that. <laughs> so I think the natural question, and I may be setting you up for a very good looking plug right now, but where do people go? Like, how, how, how do I work out what's good information and what's not good information? Oh, it's an emerging field. Um, yeah, it's an emerging field. Um, I'm not going to plug myself too much because it's only relevant. Most of what I offer is relevant to Melbourne, although we've got a couple of recorded offerings. Um, my, my brain doesn't function well in terms of remembering specific books and films and things like that it's just not one of my skills but i know that for me there's a book called the ethical slut which was fabulous around relationships and non-monogamy um and um urban tantra by barbara corellis for, for me has been a fantastic book around um sexuality learning touch skills and learning relationship skills uh, Otherwise, I guess my more, my more general knowledge is um, just approaching the information that's out there from this perspective of recognising that there's a lot of stuff which is not there as education, um, but there is some stuff out there which is really good. I think just having that awareness uh, provides some level of filter. It's. Um, I, I actually wish I could give a, a much clearer, better answer to this at the moment, and I think that part of the reason we're in tricky times in relation to sexuality and sexual conduct uh, and that things have not gotten particularly better over the last few decades and I don't think they're going to get better for the next couple of generations I think is because we're still at a really interesting and by which I mean a not great point with regards to education and even now I see um, I, I forget which state but just the question of book bans is going on in uh, your country of residence at the moment um, so even though we are making some steps forwards and in some ways we live in incredibly liberal times, uh, we're also still taking steps back. So like I say, I think it's going to be a couple of generations before there's an easy answer to that question. Absolutely. I think, you know, just from what you're saying, you, it's you know, a book. You're going to a book. The book is written by a professional. You know, one of the things I think, you know, is incredibly important for people to do when they're looking up information, when they're trying to do their research, is who's created that information, who's put it there. Could there be an ulterior motive for them putting it there and kind of sticking with um, people who have got experience in that field is probably a good place to start when you're, when you're looking for that kind of information. Yes, yes. Um, I think that's a great life skill anyway, like who's written it um, and so what are the biases and prejudices and motivations that come with that? Also, who are they writing it for or who have they produced the video for and in what ways is that also shaping their content? Yeah, good life skill, you know, whether you're looking at um, the pandemic or sexuality or the question of is climate change real? Heads up, it is. Um, yeah, <laughs> good life skill. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And, and, you know, I think, you know, talking about education is, you know, it is a really interesting one. It, it, for me, it really does, having some perspective, looking back on the education that I received growing up in the UK, certainly around sex ed, it was a video. <laughs> a video. It, it was a video. That's not enough. There needs to be a bit more sex education than that. 
and um, yeah. and it needs to be injected into your age development at various different points. I mean, what's appropriate for a five-year-old is different to 15 and 25, etc. Yeah, there just needs to be so much more. I know there's a sense out there that, I mean, this is just a harm minimization approach. I know that the conservative groups feel that if that information is provided, then it's going to make people sex-crazed maniacs and also make them all queer. Um, it's not supported in data. Provide people with info. People are going to have sex and run experiments anyway. If you give them information on how to do it well and safely, uh, there's a reasonable chance that's going to work out okay. And you can include in that information questions around when is appropriate and how is appropriate for you to have sex, which is uh, bringing in some of that the worth of that conservative perspective like the worth of that is saying just don't run headlong into this and don't assume that you want to have sex with all the people and all the things and do all the stuff because that's not right for most people um but yeah bringing that in it just puts people off on a much safer direction on their journey as opposed to providing no education um we all know that people are going to run experiments regardless well people are curious creatures aren't they <laughs> but you, you're totally right, and and it, it is a subject that I, you know, it is quite interesting, especially if you look at say, um, uh, legalization of cannabis around the US. A number of states are now starting to legalize, and you realize that when you legalize something like a drug, um, mm. people don't misuse it because now they have access to it they don't have to break laws trying to get it they can you know use it safely and be kind of educated as to the use of you know how to how to use it yeah so i, and I totally I, agree yeah and i like i'm talking outside my area of study here but i think that there's not a correlation let me say this with less double negatives uh, there's no correlation between legalizing a drug and uh, addictions and overdoses and all sorts of related problems. I, I believe there's not a connection there, right? And in fact, if anything, they're counterindicated. People are curious. People are going to experiment. They're going to be like, oh, what's this? What does this do? Yes. I want to see, I want to experience that. And I feel like I can speak with more confidence in the sexuality sector. So like mm. I say, I've taught at least 10,000 people and uh, a fair bit of that has been uh, allowing people to explore, explore taboos although you could say that all of it's taboo because um just exploring sexuality itself is not exactly openly sanctioned but so i've, I've, I've watched a lot of people uh, uh start exploring and the initial message has to be one of great fabulous it is awesome that you have these interests let's explore but then the subsequent messages are here are some ways that you might set that up and do that well here are the safe words you need in place for that here's how you learn the skill of listening to your body to work out what you are into and what you are not to now let's do some practice on uh, what it's like to say yes what it's like to say no um so when you teach that range of skills um i've yet to meet the person that's slipped down a slippery slope of sex obsession and addiction i've seen a lot of people who were having confusing challenging weird times and having some interactions that may not have been great or sustainable for them and they've gotten in a much more empowered spot of guiding their sexuality and their relationship life in directions that are more positive and more suitable for them. I just I just so passionately refute the idea of the slippery slope. Like if you teach them, you're going to like mess them up. It's so the opposite. Yeah, yeah. the more you know, the more. Um, yeah, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. Mm. We're singing from the same hymn sheet. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs>
Hey there, listener. I'd like to make you a little proposal. I love making this podcast for free because it helps me spread the word about sex positivity. But I could use your help in spreading the word just by sharing this episode if that's not too absurd. For every 10 stories that you listen to, please recommend it to someone that might like it too. (laughs) This is not a real contract, for you got no say. I would if I could frame it some other way. And if sharing's not for you, that's fine. There's nothing to do. Please listen without guilt to this podcast I built. Okay, so... I mean, so so in your experience, in your, in your years of doing this, you know, is there kind of a... Is there a common thread? Is, is there a problem you see occurring more? Uh, a question that you get asked more than any other? One that comes to mind is... Why won't my body do a certain thing? Or why won't my partner's body do a certain thing? And the really obvious presentations of that are like for someone that's got a cock, it's like, why isn't my cock hard the whole time? Or um, why can't I do anal? Or why am I not like horny all the time and good to go? I want to be like, why am I off the boil or whatever? Um, Why can't I have the orgasms I want? So. Um, people often have a sense of my body is failing me, my body is not normal. Um, and even even through to, I mean, all the things I was just talking about there, a lot of people would put them under the, ba- the banner of sexual dysfunction. But I want to put them instead under the banner of sexual function. So if your body is not doing something in a way that you might like, that's your body trying to tell you something. And if you lean into that, and, and this is going to sound a little bit woo-woo, it's not the way I intended, although I am a little bit woo-woo at times. If you lean in and ask your body what it's trying to tell you, uh, it's going to bring you something which is going to bring uh, huge benefits to your sex life. So the classic one of genitals not getting wet or hard, um, it's going to be saying something like, I want to be respected more throughout the day. I want more foreplay. Um, I want to have a sense that you know how to touch me and I'm willing to put in the time. I want to have a sense that you're going to respond positively and well to my boundaries. I want to have a sense that I'm perfect as I am and that there's no pressure. And this is for all people across all genital types and all genders. It's just exactly the same message, but it's so different to the sense of why isn't my body working? (laughs) Uh, Mostly my answer is your body's fine. (laughs) Your body's great. Um, and same with um, sometimes like we'll either fail our bodies or we will fail our partner's bodies. So, you know, my, my boyfriend's not into this or my girlfriend's not into that or my partner doesn't like blah, 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 blah. What's wrong with them? How can I get them to be more interested in that? And the answers is all the same. So, so, so you know, the answer is the same. So it's how, like, how, how? Make, make sure the relationship is respectful. Like if you're having conflict or fights or disrespect throughout the day, um, you're not going to get laid tonight. <laughs> or if you are, it's going to be a little bit, bit, bit iffy. Um, have you done everything you can do to create a sense of safety and communication with your partner? Um, have you taken the time to learn their body? Um, have you are you sending enough messages um along the lines of this is so great this is so awesome i'm so into you um so are there lots of positive messages in there lots of affirmations there's there's a management cliche which sort of says like if you're if you're um 
managing staff, for every criticism or bit of constructive feedback you give, you need to make sure you're giving five uh, bits of positive feedback. And who knows what the exact numbers are, but whatever they are, it's exactly the same in sex. Um, there needs to be so much more positivity and positively leading your partner towards what you want. You know, I, I've got that feeling like I haven't quite answered your question. I think I went into some kind of ramble mode because I got excited about something then. Did I answer your question? Yeah, let's just keep going with it. Let's just keep going let's, with it. Let's, let's pretend just, it was perfect. Let's just keep going with it. It was perfect. It was perfect. It was perfect. Clearly it was perfect no, because everything's perfect. Exactly. <laughs> but I think it's a great like point. What just happened? I think it's a great point. You know, we we as humans, I feel like we naturally just kind of focus on perhaps what's wrong rather than what's right. And, and yeah. certainly for me, for me personally, yeah, definitely growing up in kind of my culture, you know, people took the stereotypes of the Brits, the stiff upper lip, and you know, you just smile and get on with it. And it's you know, it's, it's true. It's, you know, that is kind of the the way that we, I feel like, we kind of operate. And yeah. take, I, I had to learn. I really had to kind of learn, and I'm still learning. I'm a work in progress, as most people, but really had to learn to kind of commend and, and, and appreciate the good when something is, is working and, and, you know, complimenting Christ, yes. you know. <laughs> yes. Not, not a natural skill, not something that is. Um, for me personally, I kind of grew up with, you know, it's something I had to, to learn and actually, um, you know, I think uh, uh, on the other side of that as well, it's um, understanding your own value and what you kind of bring to your to your situation and appreciating yeah. the, the impact that you have. And so, you know, I guess in a, in a sexual situation, um, if you're feeling perhaps nervous that you're not doing something correctly, um, but you are, well, it's important to hear that. It's important to hear that positive feedback, to hear that actually this is really working for me because it kind of it helps you feel um, that you're in the right place and that you're, you know, giving you a bit of self-worth. I mean, what do you think about that, Mike? Yeah, I, I very much agree. And I think that um, uh, for most people, there's a, there's a couple of easy ways to, a couple of easy little ways to play with this because it can be a bit amorphous I, I absolutely agree with you completely we should be more we should understand we have we should have a really clear sense of what our partner or partners like and appreciate about us and also a clear sense of where there might be learning opportunities for us um, you know if we're long-term invested in the relationship we want to keep that open but yeah totally we want to know what's positive but in the realm of sexuality I've got a couple of fun little games to share if I may you may um, one of them, uh, the two-minute game. Um, my partner and I thought we came up with this ourselves at the time, but I've since discovered that someone else has come up with it way beforehand, so I don't know where to apportion credit for this one. But it's called the two-minute game, and one person, it doesn't matter who goes first, one person makes a request of the other person or an offer or whatever. If the other person is into it, then you set a timer running, and that's what happens for two minutes. The timer goes off and then you swap over so it's the other person's turn to make a request and you just keep on doing that you can do that all night it doesn't have to have anything that looks remotely like traditional sex in it which is one of the joys uh, it's actually much easier to agree to doing something that doesn't have to go to sexy town sometimes you don't even want to take your clothes off you can't be bothered with orgasms and pleasure and whatever else but you do want to hang out so no expectations around that 
um, at the same time, sometimes it goes to sexy town and your specific requests within two minutes can be very explicit and very specific and it's amazing how much you can get done in just two minutes. Um, so it's a really great game for teaching people the skill of articulating what they want and what they don't want and negotiating quickly on the fly uh, and learning so much about your partner uh, because or, and yourself. Um, it's amazing the things, we're coming back to this question of turning off your mind and listening to your body. In a structure like this, it's actually bizarre some of the stuff that your body will come up with. And sometimes you'll have the thought of doing something and you'll be like, that's a really weird request. But my suggestion is just go with it. And then you get halfway through the experience and have the realization why you needed that particular request or that particular thing. And in the meanwhile, your partner is learning all these things about you. So that's one game, two minute game, strongly recommend it. Um, and it's um, it's good for the fringes, it's good for the edges. So it's good for people who struggle with this stuff or have uh, an abusive or traumatic background in relation to sexuality. But it's also great for the median, uh, for people in the middle. That works great for people who identify as having a reasonably straightforward sex life as well. That's one game. And the other game, which I think I did come up with, is called Switch. It's a very similar concept, except um, without the timers, so it's a little less structured. Uh, someone starts, and again, it doesn't matter who, and they make an offer or a request or an instruction or something like that. And if the other person is into it, then that's what happens. And that first person might continue to offer more instructions and more requests as time goes by, and they might stay like that for a long period of time, like hours potentially. But anyone at any time can say the word switch and at that point in time who's issuing the instructions and the requests swaps over so both of these games have the effect of keeping you in lockstep with each other so if your foreplay curve is not always perfectly matched then these games keep you exactly in sync with each other and they make sure that both people are taking a proactive role in guiding the experience where it needs to go and straight away there with that so many people's dysfunction in quotation marks starts to turn into function i love that i love that it's bringing that structure is is fantastic because it, it completely eliminates the the trail of thought of um do they like it? If they don't like it, should I stop? If they do like it, should I keep going? I don't know. I don't know. You know, put yes. structure to it and then we can just, you know, we how can you just meant to have cut that a, out. How are you meant to have a Zen mind when you've got that chatter going yeah. on? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and and to use a more specific example, if um, like the way sex would normally play out or touch would normally play out where there's not so much of a focus on communication, you might, for instance, effectively make an offer of a partner by just like you know rolling over in bed and touching their forearm a little bit and giving them some touch there if that's not exactly what they're into they just might roll away from you and that's basically the end of it You've, that's that's been a rejection on some level but if you use your words for that and say something like hey um i just really had the urge to touch you lightly on your forearm um their response could be a whole bunch of stuff from oh like thanks but no thanks i actually really need to go to sleep now or it could be oh um maybe but can you make that more like a massage i would be so into the massage or um direct you positively towards whatever it else is that they want and without the communication those opportunities get lost or they never happen i feel like we spend so much time concerned about 
um, are they enjoying it? Am I any good? All that in our head that actually yeah. when you when you let go of that, yeah, you are good. You're great. You're great. <laughs> you you are good. In you fact, <laughs> um, I've got a I've got a little psychological hack that I'd love to share. Go on. So you're touching someone. You're having that little bit of self doubt, or you're not sure if they're still into it. Um, uh, rather than saying, "Is this okay?" or am I doing this right? Or are you enjoying this? For the other person to answer that, they've sort of got to say, no, I'm not really enjoying this. Um, or you're not doing that great. Um, which is really hard to do because we care about each other. We don't want to hurt each other's feelings. Most of us will just go, yeah, no, it's beautiful, sweetie. I really like this. And we'll tolerate or allow or put up with it. So a much better question, a little psychological hack you can play with each other is, how could this touch be more perfect? And it's like saying, we both know that this is perfect. Like we are smashing this, both sides of this exchange, red hot trot to go. But nevertheless, if this could be even more perfect, what would that be like? And it has the effect of tricking your partner or yourself into coming up with answers that you wouldn't normally come up with. And it's just like, oh my God, this is so perfect. But if you could do that more as a massage, oh my God. Yeah. I love it. I love it. It's so smart. But, but, but obvious as well. It's like, you, you, I listen to you and I think, wow, why didn't I think of that? That's such a great way to do it. That's such a great way to just frame that question. Yeah. Um, Works charm. I think that's a Roger original. And again, you can spend an entire date night just playing that game. Just, just how can this touch be more perfect? Or how can this massage be more perfect? Or how can this oral sex be more perfect? And it just goes, how can this date night be more perfect? How can this trip to your parents' house for Christmas be more perfect? <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but yeah. Yeah, there may be limits. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, okay. I think we've covered a lot. Is there anything kind of anything else that you'd want our listeners to kind of think about? Anything else you'd like to say? Hmm. The only thought that comes to mind is we live in a very sex negative world, by which I mean there is a lot of institutions and people telling you what sex you're allowed to have and what not to have. And almost all of it comes with a negative or a shamey message. So you're having too much sex, you're not having enough sex, you're having sex with the wrong types of people, you've got interests that are wrong, blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> It's incredible how much we internalize those messages and it makes it really difficult to ask for what we want, really difficult to admit that we're sexual people, really difficult to admit that we're not sexual people. Um, all of the stuff becomes incredibly difficult and because it's the cultural swoop, soup that most of us are swimming in, you, you can't even, uh, I don't know if the cliche about trying to get a fish to describe water makes any sense, but there is sex negativity around us just constantly. So being aware of that, and I guess moving towards an idea of, so my community often talks about language of sex positivity, uh, which is not to imply that everyone should be having sex all the time. Asexuality, not having sex is such an important part of sexuality. But it's saying um, if, what, if, if what you're doing is between people that are in congruent consent, for, for what you're doing and ideally if you've you know you're doing what you need to do to to make it safe then great um i don't need to know about it um but i certainly definitely don't need to have an opinion on it um if that's what you're enjoying if that's your interests 
Um, and so that's that's both a, a level of skill that I think we should be everyone we should be approaching each other with in the world, um, but it's also a great relationship skill. It's like saying, yeah, you can bring your requests and I'm not going to shame you for them. And I might be into them. I might not be into them. Maybe I'll be into something else. Um, but yeah, just I, I guess my thought is just uh, awareness of how pervasive and omnipresent uh, sex negative culture is. Absolutely. how much it influences and patterns our lives and circling back to um, this question of function and dysfunction uh, whew, there's a lot of there's a lot of distrust and socialization and hatred based on gender uh, for all genders all genders get shamed um, around sexuality in this world how are you meant to be how are you meant to have a perfectly performing body and mindset if you've internalized a whole batter, bunch of that gender-based shame so you've sort of got to make peace i think with um i mean this is where the personal becomes political in order to improve your sex life you've also got to, and, and improve your relationship to your body you've also got a little make a little bit of peace with your entire gender and the gender movement um, and become more aware of how those negative comments and sex negativity has crept in on a gender-based level no, I love it. You know, that that awareness. It's not like it's not like you're looking for an answer. It's just just being aware, just being aware of what's going on around you um, just empowers you then to, you know, appreciate that life is short mm. We're here for a set amount of time. Be kind to people enjoy yourself and have fun you know just you know uh, yeah I, I i get it i totally get it i love it mm, mm, completely agree love what you just said yeah yeah to the um uh, as far as my <clears throat> research has taken me it seems yeah we live once <laughs> it looks like we get one crack at this <laughs> um also the um the path to happiness is doing your best uh, both like to yourself, to the people immediately around you and to the entire world. Um, again, I'm back in the realm of psychological hacks, but um, yeah, do your best, be your best. Great, lovely. Well, I think, um, I think we're good. I think <laughs> great. Right. So great. Is, is, do you, I know you said you didn't want to plug, but is there anything that you, you know, do you want to give a website? Do you want, you know, people, you know, social media, anything like that? Do you want to say anything like that? Sure, thanks. Uh, so yeah, my main website is curiouscreatures.biz, B-I-Z. Uh, and uh, yeah, we do have some pre-recorded material. Uh, so I, I referenced one of my workshops called Fun Little Sex Games. Uh, there's a uh, there's a, a version of that which is pre-recorded, so available around the world. We also have a pleasuring the blah 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 series so there's pleasuring the vulva pleasuring the penis pleasuring the anus that are available in a pre-recorded format we've got our consent cards online and all of the questions are available there for free uh, or for a small price you can have an actual consent card so they're these little double-sided plastic cards that have got um, uh, most or all of the questions you need to ask before going into an activity and they're sort of a little bit like a sex education on a card and there's one which is pitched more at 
sort of most sexual activities or general sexual activities. And then there's a version which is uh, targeted more towards kink and BDSM specific things. That's got some more extreme and specific stuff in it. So yeah, they're available online. And um, yeah, I guess if folks are um, not um, entirely done with the sound of my voice, then yeah, my podcast is called Curious Conversations About Sex. So jump on over. (laughs) Excellent. Nice one. I'd love to hear what you thought about today's episode. I've created a forum so you can tell me and also chat with other listeners about it. It's at forum.curiouscreatures.biz and there's a link for that in the show notes. Once you've signed up to the forum, which is free and takes less than a minute, navigate to groups and then join the group for Curious Conversations About Sex. And if you liked today's episode, please share it with someone else that might be interested. There's probably a share button right there in your podcast player. Curious Creatures run a variety of workshops, mostly in Melbourne, Australia. We've also got some pre-recorded workshops that you can watch anytime, anywhere. Our workshops are on sexuality, self-development and relationships. You might also want to check out our consent cards. They're a small plastic card with all of the questions you need to ask to give yourself the best chance of getting exactly what you want to the level you want it. There's a version specifically for kink activities and a more general version for everything else. Links to our consent cards are in the show notes. See you soon, friends.